Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Thanks for joining us for another week of Take Two. We're doing this a day early because we're in vacation, family reunion season. (laughs) So a Thursday special edition. It's been a busy week yet again, and we just want to say a big thank you to the Matheson family today. Norma Matheson passed away this week, former first lady of Utah. It was late 70s, I believe early 80s that they served and she has quite the legacy that she leaves behind with her kids, right? She's remarkable. If you don't know much about Norma Matheson, take a minute because she lived her life well. She was a true public servant. She was one of the most influential people, but she did it right because it wasn't about her. It was about the things she cared about and it was about her family, but she was strong. She was powerful. She was compassionate. She engaged in politics, but she also engaged in the community at an incredible level. So what I would say is let's remember her, but more. If you don't know about her, go find out about her because she's a good roadmap. You know, we don't, we're, we're Americans, we're not really big into monarchies, but we do love the families uh, that em- em- embrace themselves in public service. We have the Kennedys, we have the Bush family, we have these different uh, fixtures. Uh, the Mathesons, you, you can't uh, live in Utah and not appreciate uh, that family and uh, the public service that's been rendered uh, with all of them. And so in, in, the, in the passing of Norma Matheson, our former first lady, it gives you that time to reflect. About when you have your name on a courthouse and other big buildings in the state, you know that your family's done something right. So <laughs> our best wishes to her family. I'm sure it's a tough week for them. All right. What's tough for me right now is watching the Democratic debates. <laughs> They're sort of entertaining, but I'm like, why? It just Debates are supposed to be debates because that sort of makes them fun, but they're just painful to watch. And the one-liners of a Lysol down the office when I get in, I don't know. We'll start with you, Greg. Did you watch the debates? No. Was there someone that you loved? You just you didn't <laughs> nope. even give it a try? I, I couldn't do it. I did it. I did it two straight nights, uninterrupted, the first debates. Okay. I don't have any more to give. I gave everything I had in those two nights. It, it just, it was hard to watch. Um, I think I've seen it now. Uh, I, I didn't want to watch a, another, another version of it. I did see some clips. Look, I'll tell you, I, I think if your premise of your question starts, um, how are you going to reconcile the fact that uh, President Trump is the devil and that people still like him. How will you how will you deal with that? You're not liking the line <laughs> of questioning. <laughs> the the prim- I mean, it's not a it's just not a real question. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're going to assume some of the things that they were assuming in those questions they were asking, uh, you have to understand you are from a cut from a very specific cloth, and I don't know that's made for America TV. So I'm going to pivot from Greg's whining Ooh, about, right. about Trump Did you not watch being it? treated fairly. Did you watch it? Most, some. Uh, yeah, I you think know, I'm right. If you're, if you're, if you're not watching this on TV form, we have these swivelly chairs, so our apologies. If As we start to get more passionate, we start moving. That's right. Yes. It's going to be a part All of right, it. All right, so I'm excited so, for this pivot. It's a marathon, right? Yes. It feels like a marathon. But I keep thinking... Okay, we don't need another round of two more pundits talking about who won and who lost. But let's talk about if you're watching and you want to engage in this in some way, if you want to call a shot or do the outcome. Here's what this test is right now. Each debate, the litmus test of who gets on changes. So what you need to decide is within this little nut of party politic, 
how do you want to influence? And that's by make a couple of donations. People don't donate because they, they're so disenfranchised. But give 25 bucks to a couple people, and here's why. It's going to start being a litmus test of who shows up. There are a couple people who are really interesting. Andrew Yang, he's, he's oh, interesting. You're actually right. He's I interesting. actually like him. Now, he, he shined last night. And he bit, may yeah. not make it cross the finish line, but you know what? If you like where he's taking the overall I, discussion, yes. in the short run, in this marathon, we're, we're so far away from who we're going to vote for. Yeah. But when we talk about, we get to the end and we say, I hate the choices. This is your moment yeah. to talk about your choices. So Hickenlooper, he is so boring, but I'm telling you, he's an interesting fella. He's been a mayor, a small business owner, a governor in a, he's a Democratic governor in a purple state. He's got a lot to say. Does he do well in debates? Ugh, no, he's so boring in debates. But this is your time to contribute or participate if you want to change the conversation. If you don't want to sit and listen to the shrill people for debates five, six, and seven, then play with those second people who may not make it across the finish line, but they are going to set the stage for it. So that's what's happening right now. It's about who's getting donations, who's getting clicks. And so take a look at those second tiers, not because you yeah. may even vote for them, but because that's don't don't complain thing. about being disenfranchised and what the product at the end of the day is. This is our chance to choose. Yeah, and donations and where they stand in the polls is who gets them to the next right. one. And that's when you can start listening to the conversation a little more when we whittle down the numbers. That's right. Because I think there were some shiny moments for like Tulsi Gabbard and uh, Mr. Yang. Oh, yeah. I think there were some who had some moments where you're like, okay, this could be a good conversation if we stopped with the pre-thought out like zingers that we have right. and just talk about real issues. And the front runners and the gamesmanship. So go take a look at a couple of those. Your 25 bucks will matter right now because they're they're being, they're trying to get the 240 people on stage yeah. down. So this is going to matter actually. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. If you're, if you're watching the Democratic field of candidates and you want a serious alternative to the president, you need a serious candidate. And I think that one of the frustrations I've had with the debates is that I think they're, they're all uh, it's it's a it's a sprint to the left, uh, to the point where I think they alienate maybe the the middle America that may want to look at an alternative to the president, but they're not going to be that alternative. The more to the left they try to outpace one another, that's why the, what your comment, uh, Mar, about the the serious candidates or candidates that might not look like they're viable, but they're speaking maybe in more. Uh, mm -hmm realistic uh, terms, I do think that they should get more, I would love for them to get more attention just so to, for to build a robust left debate. left of center, that helps us as we reach as we reach the head-to-heads with the Republicans. Absolutely. So I'm just saying right now participating in this actually might help shift who you listen to in a year. It's, yeah. it's true because we look at Joe Biden who's leading right now and you look at Warren and Sanders and I think some of their stands have had to push him a little further to That's the right. left and if you're hoping to get someone a little more centrist, maybe yeah. those $25 donations. Yes. Interesting idea. Forgo going out to dinner this week That's to right. make a little donation. Joe's too right. sleepy. I don't know how he's going to make it a whole way you through this campaign. You cannot end this with bashing on Joe. <laughs> I know, okay. No. And, and unless you want to talk about well, tweets I, okay, again this okay, week okay. from your friend. No, we don't want that. There's okay. been enough bashing. Nobody wants the big it. Surprise. All right, I couldn't help it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The big surprise for me before we let this topic go was how much Obama hate was going on because he was probably the most liberal candidate that I guess we've had as president if you were to look at him over the years. And all of a sudden, he's like yeah. not liberal enough. And it was like, whoa, who are Party you? politics is yeah. harder than the holidays with your family. I mean, oh. it is a tough sport. It is a tough sport for sure. Okay, I want to talk about a couple of the things that happened after the debate. We'll move through them quickly. But I thought it was interesting that Mitt Romney, who obviously ran for president, 
himself. He got into the mix the morning after the first debate, and he tweeted Bernie Sanders. This is what he says. He said, ask why Bernie Sanders is so angry. The answer is simple. 28 years in Congress and never able to pass even a scintilla of his socialist agenda. All hat, no cattle. And I was like, all righty, Romney. And then Bernie Sanders fires back. I'm angry because multimillionaires like you and Trump have rigged our economy at the middle class expense. I can't yell like him. I'm angry because millions are living paycheck to paycheck. I'm angry because 34 million Americans are uninsured. Why doesn't that anger you? Okay, do you like conversations like this after the debate, or are they a waste of time? So let me get this straight. We have people like Senator Romney tweeting. Yeah. Tweeting comments that might be critical. Um, There was a time where such conduct from a public servant was seen as unpresidential or unbecoming of a public service. Times have changed. I think times are changing, aren't they? And I think, look, I if it's candor, let's have candor. I, I actually love if people want to have these off-the-cuff uh, conversations and have the back and forth. I don't think it diminishes any office at all. I actually like it. I like that he sent that out. I thought the response was the way I could just see Bernie doing this while he says it. You know, just kind of like <laughs> saying it like this, going like this, because he likes to poke his finger when he talks. He does. But, Even when he talks to you in person, I spoke but, to him three years ago this week when we were at the DNC after he did not get the nomination. And even when he talks to you in person, it's like, whoa. So let's just remember, people <laughs> like to tweet. People like to, it's okay. It's we, we can't make it the big problem that it is. I, I, I like the candor. I, I thought it was fun. It's fun, but it's not a substitute for conversation. So in this yeah. instance, when there's banter back and forth and there's jockeying, I felt like the two senators joined the spin room. I'm great with them joining the spin room. I am going to want to edit what Greg said about Twitter is not where policy and serious discussions happen. It's no place for the president to set national policy or foreign policy. It's no place for senators to have real debates. Taking shots at each other, forming up, and being in the spin room I'm okay with. I am against. It's 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 back. 280 characters, not enough for a it's debate. It's not enough. It's back to the same thing we have with our clients when we have young interns and they and I say, hey, you need to get a hold of those people, and they will say, hey, I sent but, them a text. But, but I'm Laura, like a text the, is the not a thing, phone call. I, no. But the only thing I would say is that in the old school way of trying to communicate, you have a press, uh, either a press release or a press secretary that tries to get a, a deeper conversation to a press pool where you're looking for that to be shared in 180 yeah. characters by the media sources. This is a more direct route. I don't think it's the... Love the straight Yeah, tweet, I, I, the I don't think it's the formulation of the policy that you should be doing by tweet, but if you can get some direct messages directly to the people unfiltered, I think that's a good now, thing. Now, here's where I'm always going to double down. Anytime Romney wants to be direct and forthcoming and, and really throw his opinion around, he'll always get my support because that's the one thing that I feel like he withholds is that, like, take it off, Mitt. Now's the time. Like, just, just go like, for it. Just go for it. I yeah. loved that. All right. Um, one thing that did come out in the debates, which I think is a serious discussion, it's happening here in Utah, it's happening across the country, is health care. Obviously, this has been going on for a couple election cycles, but there's a definite divide in the Democratic Party of which way we need to go with health insurance. Is there anything that you're getting from the debate right now where you can tell which direction we're going? Because you listen to Kamala Harris or Warren and others, and they really want Medicare for all. And some of them... Um, who were really saying, you know what, the Montana governor, Steve Bullock, was saying, I like my health insurance. It saved my son's life. We flew him down to Salt Lake City where he got the best care. I don't know if we'll have that. Do we take that right away? Do you have a feeling where Democrats are right now? Are they more wanting to keep their insurance? We're in a battle right now for who's calling the dialogue. I will say what I'll say to the Democrats is if they think that we are ready to change our system again, after the discussion we've had about Obamacare, they're wrong. And this yeah. could be a deal killer. 
Is it smart to talk about health care for Democrats? Really smart. Yeah. Is it talk? Is it is a one payer system a smart move right now? Not a chance. And what you're seeing right now is is the left of the left going to win. You saw Biden. You saw actually most of the governors yeah. saying, "Why don't we implement Obamacare?" And that's a distinction from Republicans in mm-hmm. many ways. I mean, that's yep. too blanket. It's true. But but I think taking that next step to the left on health care is a deal killer for them in the presidential. That's election. right. So. The Affordable Care Act, obviously, still in flux. Yep. Do you believe, because um, obviously this is going to happen, there's going to be a debate here and things might change. Do you think this is going to push us more into embracing Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, or do you think we're going to move further left? So I, you saw Senator uh, Kamala Harris in, in that first debate where she raised her hand with Bernie Sanders saying, I yeah. want Medi- Medicare, Medicare for all, for all um, which would not allow you to keep your doctor. That would be a very, it would be a radical right, change. Yeah. She immediately pulled back, stepped back that position. She immediately realized that that position is untenable with the American people. Mm-hmm. The very next morning, she was saying, I misunderstood the question. I didn't understand what was being asked. Mm-hmm. Uh, she went back to, okay, I want this Medi- Medicaid for yeah. all, or Medicare for all, with, but you get to keep your own doctor. And the problem we have is I do think this debate is coming up because I think as ACA is being uh, challenged in the courts for its constitutionality, uh, it was determined to be constitutional because of a tax and Congress's yeah. right to tax. Now that the tax is not there, there is an expectation that it could be thrown out. What then? Now what? Yeah. So I think that debate is coming upon us and policymakers, so whether we like it or not. Tell me, so. please, we get to talk about how implementation in Utah Yes, so is that's happening. what we need to yes. talk about because Let's the question this week, I was actually a little surprised. I thought when we asked for the waivers here in Utah, when I say we, I mean uh, the legislature asked for these waivers to happen. I really thought that they had confidence that the Trump administration would say, yes, I we're did. going to let you do this. But they did not say yes, and that brings us back. Are we going to revert to what Utah voters decided in the voting? Just so you know, November? if I'd been there, if yeah. I was still there, we'd be fine. Just You'd so be you fine. Know. You would have written the letter differently. <laughs> I, yes, I, so no. what happened? Who so, said no? That no, you, so you I, were this is what I think. I, I know for a fact, in all that I worked with, and remember, I, I was part of the group that worked with uh, President Obama's Secretary Burwell from yeah. Health and Human Services. Um, I, was, I, I have dialogued directly with our state leaders with the Department of Health uh, as a cabinet member of both administrations, Obama and Trump, uh, on our Medicaid approach, uh, Medicaid expansion. I am absolutely convinced, because I've heard it from two administrations, uh, cabinet secretaries for Health and Human Services, that Utah's approach and our understanding, deep understanding of how to deliver it and its cost is, is more detailed and more complex and, and, frankly, more vast than other states. I know they love the solutions that Utah is proffering and that we want to do. So it's, why are they not saying yes? Because they're challenging, this is the answer, they're challenging the entire constitutionality of it in court. They believe uh, it, it, it weakens their, their, their legal case to be affording waivers and to be enabling or empowering ACA. So let's, at the same time, they're going to the court saying, we don't think this is constitutional. Let's talk about when so we knew that. Lawmakers... Uh, advocates, everyone knew going into it that they were going to say no to this. It's never been granted to a state. Early indications were that they weren't going to grant it. The lawmakers had that information. They felt like their personal relationships. My shop ran Prop 3 sitting in those meetings. We talked together to those. The state of Utah knew that the odds of us uh, getting that waiver were close to nothing. 
Great. They took a shot. They took their constitutionally allowed um, ability to roll back initiatives, which is what the legislature did this last session. They brought it back to yeah. pre-initiative status. So now that the, but there was a commitment made, and there were several mm -hmm. public commitments made that said, hey, if they don't grant the waiver, then in fact we will move to the 138. We'll move to the to the standard that the citizens of the state of Utah have access to. It doesn't sound like that's to. happening now. There, it sounds like there's a conversation of do we have to do that or is there something else we can do? Is there an option or do they need to go back to what was voted If on? they want to follow the will of the people, if they want to follow through on their commitments, and if they want to be able to administrate this system in the future, they should follow through so, and do the 138 so percentage. I, I wasn't there through this last session, so I don't know what the assurances were or were not in terms of whether it would, I do know that we were getting very favorable uh, feedback uh, from the waivers and yeah. the way we were trying to do it before. Here's the challenge, and I, I, I don't, this isn't an opinion, this is a sincere question. If you do have the constitutionality of ACA being challenged, and in, in Medicaid expansion for healthy adults that, uh, you know, of a certain income level would receive Medicaid right. uh, health care coverage, if it's thrown out, and we were expecting as a state 90% of those costs to be covered by the federal government. And the Supreme Court, you know, the district court says it's unconstitutional. The Fifth Circuit says it's not. So then they go to the Supreme Court. They say ACA is not constitutional. If we're in the process of providing that health care coverage, expecting 90% of that comes from the federal government, and now it's been thrown out, what then? Those are the conditions I don't know. of I all worry, federal I just worry about the, the, the conditions the back of all and federal forth. funding. This is used as such a red But if you see that in the coming in the I don't, horizon been, as it, a We've decision. been distributing these funds for years and years at a 90-10 mix. Utah has lost millions of dollars because our refusal to oh, get on yeah, board with extra ACA, coverage, right? right? I mean, so we've already lost millions of dollars of match. And what what I find disingenuous sometimes about this argument in healthcare is we don't apply that for any of the infrastructure. We could have and have seen gross fall, fallbacks from the federal position on water infrastructure, on roads infrastructure. Roads and yet, do we still continue to say these are priorities? I, yeah, the and difference I would argue there said, is yes. that they, they don't call the shot. They don't say, hey, we're going to commit to this water infrastructure, but we have a decision coming in the sure courts that's going to take it away. Sure Central Utah Project had a projection that they pulled back on for all those pumps. And, that, and yeah, they were over decades, but certainly the federal government changes the disposition of their funding over the years for most of their I infrastructure I don't argue projects. that they do. I just think that you, you know there's, a, there's a crossroads coming that's coming a lot quicker than maybe those, those But I'm going to say healthcare infrastructure, people having quality of life deserve the doubling down of the state legislature the way they double down on other infrastructures. Mara's on fire today. She I had am, a Red Bull. I, I had a retort, but I know. But I you know what? I, I feel like it's I not going to get any better for me over here. I don't know. All right, we'll give you another issue. So this is another one that Utah's been going the rounds with. Uh, so medical cannabis in Utah, we're riding the struggle bus trying to get this into effect. So Governor Herbert sent out a statement yesterday because both Salt Lake and Davis County said that their health departments felt like they could be charged federally as drug dealers if they were handing out these medications and Governor Herbert said, whoa, 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 this is the law. This needs to happen. We need to follow the written law. Is there a reason why these county health departments should be concerned that they're going to be cuffed for being drug dealers? So Greg's going to give you a better Darn answer. Sex. I mean, in practice, no, right? Yeah. I mean, and show me the law enforcement Thank agency you. for whom this is at the top of their list. Yeah. But the video would be great. But it, it, would be, yes. it would be. Yeah. It would be a little bit it worth sounds it. Yes. But, so yeah, ominous, dramatic, yeah. but I will say one thing that's interesting is they're pushing back. Um, these these two rather conservative 
counties are sort of pushing back on this. Yeah. So from a practical point of view, I think most of us are reading in and saying, you're good. You're yeah. probably, you, you'll, you'll make it home to your family tonight. Um, but, but it's interesting to me that they're feeling the need to make these public statements. It's, I, yeah. I just don't think they want to do it. Maybe they don't even like the idea of, of medical cannabis as public policy. Here's the reality. Pennsylvania, uh, their Department of Health, they publicly, on a publicly accessible list, they license the physicians that are allowed to recommend medical cannabis. Uh, so they have and a no process. one's been harmed by this. And no one's been harmed okay. by this. Yeah. This is a state of 11 million people. Okay. You have, they are requiring a, a pharmacist to yeah. be at their medical cannabis specialized pharmacies. It is, they are, it's a, so they have a, an issued license that the state mm -hmm. issues to pharmacists or f physicians and they're doing it. And then you have, so this idea that, hey, the state's regulating something that's illegal. You got like 2,500 mm -hmm. physicians in Pennsylvania you could start with and start going after before you worry about little old Utah. I'd like to see that start before we start getting scared. Mm -hmm. The other thing is the Controlled Substance Act, which we're talking about, you have states that are saying you can do it recreationally. Are you really going to go after the states that are trying to find some, some safeguards to here Colorado. to health and welfare and public safety? And we're trying to get our head around something that, 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 that there's this gray area. When you have states that are violating the Controlled Substance Act by making it recreational, go there. If we need to make a list of people to go after, we're like a millionth on that list. We're I, I just list think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a logical extreme. And I feel like we're at the point where how do we even know that the health departments are handing it out? Because I kind of was imagining like a DABC, like state liquor store style building, someplace you had to go to. I don't know. Maybe the health departments will be it. You can go get your vaccines, your It was supposed to be. Cannabis, the, the idea your, was the central what. fill. You, the, the patient would call. There'd be a website. You go through. You talk to a pharmacist. They would prepare it. It would be delivered to the closest health department. Gotcha. They would have a window. There'd be no transaction Ooh, or money. Ooh, drive up. Even more Yeah, you, you would go and you would pick it up, but they wouldn't be selling it to you they wouldn't be you just it's just the place where you'd be able be to like get swig. it yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. and you won't like exchange cash no money you, you have to like pay swig. for it ahead some of time. people go to swig like 10 times a day <laughs> that might be too much for medical cannabis so. okay uh one other thing that you can just drive up and easily get now uh interesting thing happening this week many grocery stores that have pharmacies inside them are now offering birth control this is actually somewhat forward thinking i think for the state of utah mara i was a little surprised when this happened because we're one of the first, not the first, that actually offers birth control for a year. You have to go in and get your blood pressure taken, right. and you can get birth control. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? It's a great thing. I, I was surprised. I'm yeah. surprised we're leading on it. Uh, I will say a doctor uh, in our legislature, Ray Ward, is who mm -hmm. presented this. Um, it's surprisingly pro-women. It's surprisingly pro-sort of family organizing. It is. It makes sense. It, uh, what are you making that face for? This is good no, stuff. Is this good. is easy to do. Are there I, any concerns, though? Because some people say, you know, you need a doctor because what if, you know, there's side effects, depression, or other problems, or heart problems, and you're not going to a doctor. So my understanding is you only get a couple months worth first, and you have to fill out what is the standard form yeah. of saying, here are conditions, and if any of those are flagged, the pharmacist is actually not allowed to prescribe. Gotcha. So there's some nice safeguards built in. She only gets a few, couple months worth before she then has to come back and Go report back. that everything's going fine, everything's going well, and, and move that along. I mean, really, I feel like as long as the pharmacist is trained, and there's training built Built into this, and as long as the woman is filling out a form, and uh, the the pharmacist can see if there's any red flags that they yeah. say, "Hey, before I give you this prescription." I'll be interested to see how it works out because it feels like an awkward conversation to walk up to the counter too. At your smess, yeah, yeah. it's a little weird. I don't. 
it, it's going to be interesting to see how it works, but I think that the barriers that there are for particularly low and middle income yeah. women to go into their doctor's office, if you can take out that doctor's office barrier and they can get uh, birth control, I think that's a terrific step forward. Maybe you could just write them a note and hand it to them. So are you the in look favor my of this? Face. So this, is a, this Your daughter's is, 18. This she could go there confusion. now. <laughs> I'm going to admit right now, I missed that item on our you list. You did? So I am completely You're unprepared. You're like, wait, what's happening here? This great. Great. You are Adelaide. This is freestyle. No, I was completely unprepared for that that topic so I'm sitting there trying to get my head around it and I went to where you were talking about like how do you how do you administer that how do you how does that Smith's conversation or how does that work and so I'm just I'm confused I'm confused by its process uh, I did not know it was gonna be an issue so I'm just wholly unprepared to speak say on it sounds great sounds great I know because sometimes go. I go talk to my That's pharmacist it. and he's like how's work what about I, this story what's going I'm on I'm just gonna say I don't get it I'm a Neanderthal on this one I, I'm, not, I'm not, I'm just not ready for this one I, just, I wasn't ready this is not the little blue pill or is that purple Maybe that'll be next that you I don't can go know. ask your pharmacist for. There you go. Yeah. All right. Through. Well, this has been a fun, fun week. We have to end really quickly with one more thing. Representative Rob Bishop, last week we were going to talk about it, ran out of time, but he committed to what he committed to in his campaign and said he's not running again. Is this a good thing to do what you say when you're running? I think, I, well, the way you framed that question, it's absolutely important. <laughs> okay, do good. You say, <laughs> you say when you're running. I thought he was going to stay, though. I thought it was actually a guarantee. You I don't thought think, it was a done deal? I didn't think you'd bring up the topic that you were ready to change your mind unless that's what you had decided yeah. to do. I think there's some worry about institutional memory uh, and seniority for our delegation uh, in Congress. I don't know what the calculus was So was he peer was pressured? Him. I don't know. I think I'm sure he was asked to, to consider staying. Um, I don't know what his calculus was, but uh, he's had a phenomenal time uh, in, in service in Congress. I've been a state uh, speaker of the House. So his public service is long, and it's, uh, it's, it's been stellar. Uh, he deserves to retire when he wants to retire. Absolutely. I, Greg, I was a little surprised. I, I really thought that he would keep going. Um, I'm curious about where his headspace is, what he's thinking next. I'm Governor? Really, maybe. I mean, that, that was floated for him. I yeah. don't know if he floated it. So I don't know that we've seen the, the last of him. I was a little surprised, but he's been a tremendous public servant. All right. It'll be interesting to see. It's been fun as always. Thank you so much for spending the afternoon with us. If you love us, tell your friends about us and you can subscribe. We'll be back again next week with more riveting chit chat about Utah politics. Thanks.